in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Yes. Boy, Sewell on a first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down at the 31-yard line. Oh, that is beautiful. Welcome to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft, and it is week 18 in the NFL. It is January, and we are talking about meaningful football games. We are talking about a potential playoff spot, and it's really simple, and I think that's why the news and notes for this week are going to be short and sweet, and we're going to get to a, a, a jam-packed show. I've got Mike Spofford on, um, who does a great job covering the Packers. I've got Mike Tirico, uh, play-by-play from NBC. He stops by. We have a great conversation. Uh, Justin Rogers from the Detroit News is here to break down uh, our key matchups. And uh, Jamal Williams came in and joined me. Obviously a big week for Jamal. Needs six yards to get to 1,000. Can tie Barry Sanders. Uh, we talked about going back to Green Bay and just what this means for him. So it's it's, it's really a huge show. And let, let's get to that stuff instead of uh, just me here. But just a couple quick things like we always do with, with news and notes. Look, it, it's simple for the Lions. Y- you win and you got a chance. Um, obviously Seattle will play ahead of them. They'll know if it's spoiler or in, but I don't think that matters for Dan Campbell and this team. I think even if uh, Seattle wins and you know that you're uh, playing the role of spoiler, you don't have a chance to go in. It, it, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Lambeau Field. It's Sunday night football. It's the last regular season game of the year. Everybody's watching. I'd be really surprised if uh, that doesn't motivate this team alone. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has stolen the hearts of Lions fans how many times now? And so to be able to do that in his place uh, late in his career, I'm sure no matter what happens in the Seattle game, this will be a very motivated Lions team. And, look, it's a healthy Lions team. Uh, Deshaun Elliott back. uh, He missed the last two weeks with a shoulder injury. Um, So it's the healthiest they've been really all year, and that's all you can ask for. So, look, it's win and go home. Sunday night, Lambeau Field, uh, national TV. It's a fun week, and I've got a really fun podcast for you. So stick around. Uh, we got a lot. To, we got a lot to cover today. Welcome back to the 20 Minute in the Huddle podcast, and I am very happy to be joined by Mike Tirico, the play-by-play man for NBC. And Mike, you've got your hands in a lot of different stuff, but but mm-hmm. this is a fun time to be covering the NFL, oh isn't it? The end of the season, meaningful football games, Sunday night in Lambeau. I mean, yeah. how fun is this? Oh my God, you, you could, couldn't ask for anything more. You, you really couldn't. It's been a difficult week for the entire league and for everyone else with the DeMar Hamlin situation, obviously, but... Uh, you know, I think it also has allowed us to shine a light on the people yeah. of the NFL. And I don't just mean the players. That's the biggest part of it. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, think about the training staff, the logistics folks, um, the coaches, the family that is professional football. We got to see in the worst of times the best of that. And everyone trying to talk about DeMar Hamlin this week, we found out about a young man who's a starting safety who was a sixth-round pick who didn't get a lot of attention, but you're hearing what a great guy he was. And you see it because you're in this building all the time. NFL players are so good, and they all have very unique and different stories, and they come from many places to our town, since I live here, and they give a lot of time in our town, which isn't their town. And they may only be here for two or three years. And so I think... um, the prayers for DeMar Hamlin, that's the most important thing this week. 
but also the appreciation for the totality of the family that is professional football. That includes all of us. Um, I, I think people got to see that this week and hopefully appreciate why we all love all of this and love a time like this where on the field on Sunday night, there's so much on the line from a football standpoint with the Lions and the Packers. And Mike, to go along with that too, and we got the news on Thursday that, that DeMar was doing much better, real positive news, yeah. and that's great to hear. I can't wait for that young man to also hear about his foundation yes. and what people have donated and how that's over $6 million now. And I think that just talks about not only football people who have donated, but just fans out there who felt moved by this situation too and have opened their wallets and, and obviously their hearts and prayers. And so I, I think that's a, a special part about the football family outside of just this building, yes. but all football fans that should be mentioned as well. It's a great point. There are serious conversations to have about mental health and the physicality and the brutality at times of this game. Those, there's real talk that's happening now, which is good, because I think we understand and appreciate it even more. But also things that have come to light. I was on the GoFundMe page uh, just looking at some of the folks who had donated, and there were a bunch of fantasy football leagues. And as we know, that game with two high-profile offensive strong teams probably had a lot of fantasy football league championships to be decided. Well, I'm sure a bunch of those fantasy football leagues, whether it was the winner or the game was in the balance, they do, let's just donate our money to this foundation. Yeah. Like, like the football fans get it. Right. There's a connectivity between a fan in a fantasy league uh, in Wyandotte, Michigan, watching a game between Buffalo and Cincinnati with his buddies spread out or her buddies spread out around the league, around the country, and there's a connection to this team and that team in different parts of the U.S., it doesn't happen in any other sport like that. And uh, maybe this week is a great chance to appreciate what football gives to all of us and what we as fans give back to the football community. It's a, it's a rare connection. It's an honor to be able to tangentially be a part of it. Well, speak. how about just your situation too? Mm. You're from Ann Arbor. Yeah. You live in Ann Arbor and the opportunity to be a little bit at home, take yeah, care sure. of some business here. And, and we talked a little bit before the camera started rolling here too, but it, it's a little bit rare sometimes to be able to come to a visiting team's yeah. facility, prepare and, and, and do that stuff. You guys usually do production meetings with the home team on the road, but being able right. to sleep in your own bed in Ann Arbor, <laughs> take care of some things, and, and then you're going to fly to Green Bay um, Thursday night. But, but how fun has that been just to be home and yes. be able to do this part of the job too? Nice took care of the recycling, got a little bit of extra work done at home before coming over here to see the Lions in person. You're right. We usually see the home team practice in person and then visit with the road team by a Zoom call or at their hotel when they travel in on Saturday. And the rest of our crew will do that. But since I live here, it's a great opportunity to drive here and uh, spend a few hours around the building and just get a little sense of the vibe. Like I ran into Amon Ross St. Brown coming off the field and talked to Dave Phipps, special teams coordinator, just those things that you just only get when you're at a facility. And I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One, for me, because of living here for the last 23 years and you know, watching the evolution of different Lions organizations and leadership. But also, the Lions haven't been on TV a lot, especially compared to regularly. This is the fourth time we have the Packers on Sunday Night Football. I think the last time the Lions were on Sunday Night Football was 2018. Um, week three, Matt Patricia against Belichick in Matt's first year, I think, yeah. or maybe 2019, whatever it is. Yeah. It's been, been a, a minute. <laughs> it's been a while, and it doesn't happen all that often, other than the Thanksgiving game. 
The Lions have had a couple of Monday night games over the last three years in Lambeau against the Packers. So they haven't been on the national stage. So what an opportunity it is to introduce, reintroduce, or tell the stories of guys who've had a hell of a season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's just pull back to the beginning of the year, pre-hard knocks and all that. And Vegas says six and a half, I think, was the win total projected for this team, sitting at eight with a game to go. Um, The team's one and six, this team, you know, hey, Fire the coach, change the GM, bring in a new guy. Written Who's going to build? What's bring your in, draft pick? Right, which, which quarterback? <laughs> let's let's watch Ohio State. Do you like C.J. Stroud? What about Bryce Young? And so it was all there, and now here you are in Week 18 discussing. Do you do you think the Rams are going to play hard? Do you think like Goff's old team can play? Where are the Detroit Rams T-shirts? Can you bring them out for the early <laughs> afternoon and try to bring the luck? Like, can Stafford come back for one game to help his old team after we showed him all the love? All that stuff. It's just a reminder of the patience needed when you're building something and that this is going in the right direction. No matter what happens Sunday, this is going in the right direction. That's encouraging, I think, for the franchise, the organization, and the fans. And what are your impressions from the outside looking in? And, yeah. and look, you're in mm-hmm. Amber, so you have a little different perspective of sure. it because you're around, you read the media, you see the interviews and, mm-hmm. and all that yeah. stuff. You're close to, to Detroit and this team, but from the outside looking in, just, just your impressions of Detroit and the job that Dan Campbell has done, that Brad Holmes has done. Yes. And, and can, can this be a situation, Mike, where you know what it would mean like to this city and to this area if this could become a consistent winner, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, and just how, how Detroit Lions football fans are dying for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what that would be like from the outside looking in, what you see and what you know from Dan and Brad, do, do you think they're on the, oh, yeah. the right track? And, and, and what do you like about kind of what they've established here in Detroit? I'm, I'm smiling. I'll give you a couple of quick anecdotes. <laughs> I was uh, blessed to be given the job to call Sunday Night Football. This is my first full year of doing it. And my friends, Locus, say, hey, congratulations. Do you think we'll have a Lions game? I said, I hope at some point in my run on Sunday Night Football. I said, but remember – your team can always play its way onto Sunday Night Football and flex into a game. So they have. So they answered that question already. And you talk about the hunger of the market, right? We know Detroit basketball from the Pistons, uh, not just the Isaiah teams, but the, the championship with Chauncey and Rip and those guys. And we know it's hockey town. And we know that old English D from Tom Selleck on Magnum P.I. all the way through. You see that old English D in an airport somewhere like, hey, Detroit. You know, so we all get each other, right? Michigan yeah. State and all that stuff. If the Lions ever won, it would be a parade down Woodward that would rival the parade that the Eagles had when they won, (laughs) and their weight was 1960, right? It would rival that. It's really a football town. It's a Lions town. I think we see that every Thanksgiving when the team has been bad and 70,000 people show up in Ford Field. Or opening day, no matter how disappointing the outlook is for the team, the first third down of the first game at home, the place is nuts. There's, There's an energy to it, and I think Dan and Brad have put that back in place. I think Sheila's done a great job of uh, going back to organize and figure out how we're going to build this thing. Yeah. How are we going to get this thing going in the right direction under her leadership? I think she's done that. I've talked to her off the record before any of these changes came in, before people were hired. And this was the planning and the vision of building something that fit the city, fit the organization, and is done the right way. Uh, with Dan and Brad, to Dan, <clears throat> look at the performance of this team on the field. They're a physical team. They're surrounded by good offensive line play, and they are very accountable. Like when we need a play, when we need a yard, we feel like we can get it because we've been working towards that all year. Um, and that 
has manifested itself in the fourth down conversions and all that. The offensive line has been spectacular. One of the best in football. I mean, I you know, on Sunday afternoons, when I'm getting ready for the Sunday night game, I'll sit and watch Sunday afternoon on the Red Zone channel. And every time I look over to my iPad to watch Red Zone channel, because I'm watching a game on TV mm-hmm. in my room, I'm looking at Red Zone channel. Every time I see Jared back to pass, there's like this much space between Jared and the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, the amount of time he's been given has allowed him to show what a great thrower of the ball he can be. And it's all worked together with the offense and all that. On Brad's side, just look at the rookies contributing all the way through. Sixth-round pick is the leading rookie sack guy, and we didn't see him until right around Thanksgiving. Right. How did that happen? <laughs> where did that come from, right? Right. By the way, your number two pick, not, not only has he been terrific and played better than the number one overall pick, but he's also thrown in three interceptions. Like, you know, he, he looks really good as a nickel corner <laughs> on, on the sideline there, breaking on the ball with good hands, tucking the ball, running – all the way around, yeah. the pieces have been very successfully laid and are paying off. And it took patience. And when you look at the schedule, not a lot of bad teams played. Chicago's the worst team record-wise, but we know how good the division games are and yeah. how good the Bears are with fields. They've played a lot of tomato cans on the schedule. And they have played most of their games pretty closely. The three games that this team you knew didn't play well, New England, Dallas, Carolina, which is going to hurt, I think, as we go through and you look back and reflect on this season. Every other game, they were not only in, but had a real chance to win, especially against Philly and Buffalo, some of the best teams in the league. So this season, no matter what happens on Sunday, an absolute success, a tremendous springboard to 2023. Although we're in 2023. (laughs) You have a drift. Real quick, expectations for the game Sunday night. Two teams very similar on hot streaks. Rodgers hot, receivers going. Can the Lions secondary have the game of the year? Or yeah. the pressure up front help the Lions secondary? Short, a bit shorthanded on the defensive front for Green Bay. Can the Lions run the ball, establish a run, throw off the run? I've said this to people who were complaining about the timing of the 425 Seattle start and then the Lions game later on. Fair or unfair. If you think for one half of one second that a Dan Campbell team is not going to play to win, I don't know where you've been the last two years. <laughs> and... For this franchise, for this organization, for this fan base, probably in reverse order, beating the Packers in Green Bay at Lambeau on Sunday Night Football and keeping them out of the playoffs might be as satisfying as getting to the playoffs and losing a first-round game. It sounds really stupid, but if you live here, you know that. you live here, you know. You know that for all the times Aaron Rodgers is throwing up to the top of Ford Field and it dropped down in Richard Rodgers' hands on that Thursday night, and the penalty up in Lambeau, and then they kick the field goal, win the game, and all the games over the years, to do that would mean the world for these guys and would validate everything that's happened this year. It's going to be hard. The Packers are a really good team. When Rodgers gets on a run, he usually breaks the tape and wins that race. So it's a fascinating matchup, and we are so excited that it'll be the um, the Sunday night game on Week 18. Well, we are so excited that you could join us and excited to hear your call Sunday night. It should be a fun one. Uh, everything on the line Week 18, you can't ask for anything better than that. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am glad to bring in Mike Spofford, the senior writer for Packers.com. He does a great job covering everything Green Bay Packers um, over for their website. Mike, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. It's a pretty fun week for both our clubs here, huh? Yeah, pretty interesting that it comes right down to the end here. Week uh, week 18, uh, Packers-Lions. And uh, yeah, I mean, NFC North, it doesn't get much better than that. 
You know, and I think it's interesting, Mike, because when the Lions were one and six, I think probably everybody outside of Allen Park thought um, nobody outside of Allen Park thought this would be a possibility. And when the Packers were sitting there at four and eight, I, I, I think a lot of people counted them out too. Um, so very interesting. Two teams that, that kind of took similar paths to this point, um, fighting it off on, on national television, uh, Sunday night football. It, it really should be a fun one, huh? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it's, it's been uh it's been a roller coaster ride here in green Bay for sure. Much like uh, it's been in Detroit. I mean, when things started to go south for the Packers, it was sort of like, you know, hey, wait a minute. This team was three and one with a 10 point lead over the Giants at halftime in London. Like what happened? Like all of a sudden everything goes the wrong way. Then this team is four and eight with a nine point deficit in the fourth quarter in Chicago, looking like, you know, this is it. Like it's over. And now all of a sudden four straight wins and, and uh, you know, right back in the mix with a chance to make the playoffs. So. It's been one of those crazy, crazy years that can happen in the NFL, and uh, it's kind of happened to both of these teams. Mike, what, what's really been the catalyst, in your opinion, you know, behind the the, the 4-0 stretch here to, to, to put themselves in this situation? I think the, I think the two, two biggest things are, I guess, probably three biggest things that have changed. Uh, one is that, is that Christian Watson, the rookie wide receiver, um, high second round pick out of, uh, North Dakota state, he's emerged as a big time offensive weapon. And this is the kind of player the Packers were hoping to have right from the get-go for this offense and in the transition to the, you know, post Devante Adams era at wide receiver, but he had to have a procedure done on his knee after OTAs. He missed most of training camp, didn't play at all in the preseason. And then when he d- was getting action in the regular season, he had a hamstring injury pop up a couple of times. Then he had the game in Buffalo where he took a really big hit in the first quarter and got a concussion, um, took another big hit in the game in Detroit, which turned out not to be in concussion, but they were being very cautious and they took him out of the game, you know, to be to be really safe and careful there. So he just wasn't on the field much for the first couple of months of the season. And then once he's gotten healthy and been playing a lot, he, you know, he, he had a stretch of eight touchdowns in a span of four games and, uh, and this offense really took on a different look. So that's one thing. Number two would be the emergence of Keyshawn Nixon uh, on the special teams. I mean, this guy now, he had a 93 yard kickoff return against Miami on Christmas. 105 yarder for a touchdown last week against Minnesota. He's got, I, be, I believe it's either five or six kickoff returns of 50 plus yards um, this season already. And he wasn't even the kickoff returner at the beginning of the season. <laughs> so his emergence has completely changed the way the Packers look on special teams in the return game. He is also returning punts now after Amari Rogers, uh, you know, went through a bout with, uh, with fumbles and they needed to, they needed to move on there. So that would be the other thing. And then the third thing, as far as the, you know, talking, there's an offensive change, a big special teams change. The biggest change on defense has been turnovers. This Packers defense wasn't able to generate a whole lot of turnovers through the first half, three quarters of the season. Suddenly they have 12 takeaways during this four game winning streak. You take the ball away 12 times in a span of four games, you're going to win some games. And, and, you know, the, this, uh, this team had, they had the three interceptions in the fourth quarter. On Christmas, another four takeaways, uh, you know, last week against Minnesota. So the turnovers are piling up. And when that happens, you know, the defense feeds off it, the offense feeds off of it. 
uh, you know, it really energizes the whole team when you're taking the ball away. And that's been a big difference. You know, it's it's complimentary football, right, Mike? And and Aaron Rodgers said it, I think, this week that, look, we're a dangerous team right now because of them playing such good complimentary football. I think we've seen that in stretches with Detroit, too, when, when you know, as they finish the season 7-2 and two to put themselves in this spot. But, you know, special teams especially, and, and Nixon in particular, that seems like that's always been kind of one area when you looked at Green Bay over the years that, you know, they've always been ranked toward the bottom of, of the special teams ranking and hadn't always seemed to be a priority for them. But, you know, Rich comes in and, and, and that becomes a priority. They, they, they put some resources in it in terms of getting some guys here. Just how much has that made a difference with this team overall is, is to now that be a weapon for this football team where it really never was or it didn't seem to from the outside looking in in the past. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, special, te- special teams was, uh, was, has been a, a problem spot for – a number of years here and quite frankly the 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 last couple of seasons you know in, in 2020 it was a it was a very bad special teams unit in terms of in terms of coverage and there was a change made at special teams coordinator for 2021 the coverage units improved but then there were a lot of problems with with returns and then also with the field goal operation and there was a, a lot of things that went wrong there and the special teams, quite frankly, knocked the Packers out of the playoffs last year, a block punt and a block field goal against San Francisco at home in the divisional round. And you lose that game by three points and your season's over. So they make another change at special teams coordinator. You bring in Rich Bisaccia, you know, 20 years in the NFL coaching, uh, coaching this at this level. They also make some personnel changes, bringing in veteran guys who have excelled on special teams at other places like Keyshawn Nixon, like Dallin Levitt, like Rudy Ford, when he became available. And these guys have, you know, those guys combined with the new coordinator and Basachi and all the experience and, and, and everything that he's brought to the table, the, the special teams has, has completely turned around. The culture is completely different in, in that phase of the game. And now that you have Nixon suddenly breaking kickoff returns and firing everybody up and, a lot of things with the field goal operation is smoothed out. Now, everything's not perfect. I mean, the Packers got a punt block last week, you know, early in the game against Minnesota. Fortunately, they were able to, to make up for that, and, and it didn't damage them too much early in the ballgame. So there's still, there's still plenty to work on. There's always a lot to work on in that phase, but the Packers have made tremendous, tremendous strides in that area from where they've been the last couple of years. And I'm speaking with Mike Spofford, the, the senior writer for Packers.com, does a great job covering everything Green Bay. Mike, Green Bay, Lambeau Field, obviously that atmosphere, it's historic. I know whenever we play there, I, it's always a terrific atmosphere. But with what's on the line, with it being Sunday night football, I know head coach Matt LaFleur joked a little bit with you guys on Monday and, and pleaded for fans not to sell their tickets to Lions fans, please. But but what, what do you expect uh, uh, that atmosphere to be like with, with, with what's on the line? Yeah, I mean – it's it's going to be something special. I mean, not only not only that it's that it's Sunday night, you know, under the lights, prime time, and everything. But the Packers haven't had the Packers haven't played a you know win to get in last game of the regular season type it's, of game since <laughs> since since 2013 when Aaron Rodgers came back from the broken collarbone and beat Chicago down at Soldier Field on the uh, you know on on the fourth and eight play to uh, to Randall Cobb. The Packers haven't had a win to get in game in the last game at home since 2010, which of course we all know what the Packers then did by by uh, by winning that game and getting on a run. So this is this is unusual territory, and uh, um, and I ex- I expect the fans 
the fact that the Packers have turned their season around the way they have, and that the opportunity to get a win and get into the playoffs and be going into the playoffs on a roll and, and, you know, and peaking and playing really good football. I think that's going to energize these fans. I expect, I expect the fans to really bring it Sunday night. What are the Packers playing coaches saying about uh, this matchup with Detroit? Obviously week nine, the team's faced in, in Detroit Ford field, kind of a sloppy game, you know, 15, nine, not like Aaron Rodgers on characteristically threw three interceptions in that game. But I'm curious, you know, what are, what are, what are guys saying about this matchup and maybe Detroit in particular and, and what, and what, what, what uh, problems they might present? Yeah, well, there's, there's certainly a lot of respect for Detroit and, and the Packers know what they're up against having a, had so much trouble moving the ball, scoring points, uh, you know, in Ford field earlier this season. I think one of the biggest things the Packers are looking at is, is how to handle, how to handle this Detroit offense. I mean, the last interception Jared Goff threw was in that game at Ford field back in week nine against the Packers. He is on a roll. He's probably playing, you know, on, on the, the best, like longest stretch of really, really good quarterback play in his career. And, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, the Packers know all about him. Jamal Williams, his 15 rushing touchdowns. He's almost at 1,000 yards now for the season. Packers know all about that guy, of course, as well. And then when they look at when they look at the defensive side of the ball, you know, it's that pass rush. Houston and Hutchinson, you know, the sacks that they've racked up. I think when the Packers look at this game and sort of why they lost at Ford Field and where the team is now, they look at it as, okay, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers has to protect the football. You can't have multiple turnovers in the red zone in the goal-to-go situations like they had in Detroit. And this defense needs to continue to take the ball away because that's what's going to that's what's going to stymie Jared Goff and, and that offense. So I, I think the Packers are going to put a lot on the turnover battle um, in this game. And, uh, and I think they're also hoping that, you know, Keyshawn Nixon and Christian Watson hadn't, you know, necessarily hit their stride. They weren't really a big part of things in that first matchup in Detroit. And uh, so I think they've got some things that they feel the Lions have to be ready for as well. Yeah, you know, that Packers win by Detroit in week nine, that, that really kind of spurred their 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 streak of games to uh, to finish the season and put themselves um, in this spot. So um, it, it'll definitely be, be, be very interesting. Detroit obviously has a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers, and, and you mentioned it, they're playing much better offensively. This run game um, is, is really, really good. And then you mentioned the defense and, and, the, and the takeaways, the fourth-best pass defense in all the league. Um, so that's a great matchup there. One last one for you, Mike. The Green Bay Packers beat Detroit and, and, and claim a playoff spot if what happens at Lambeau Field Sunday night? Boy, I mean, there's 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 so many things that go into this when it's two teams that that know each other so well and are 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 so familiar with one another. I think it comes down to even if the Packers defense doesn't doesn't necessarily take the ball away from Jared Goff and, and that very explosive offense, I think it comes down to the Packers protecting the football. I think they lost the game in Detroit because of the turnovers, you know, two interceptions in the end zone and goal to go situations had another one that was uh, that was in the red zone area that took a lot of points off the board in a game that the Packers only lost by six. I think they feel like playing at home. If Green Bay protects the football, I think the Packers are going to like their chances. Well, it should be a fun game. We'll see what happens 
you know, ahead of that, Seattle obviously has to yeah. lose for Detroit uh, for that for that to you know for Detroit to, to to possibly playing to get in. Otherwise, to the role of spoilers, I don't think that changes the game a whole lot, Mike. Just with with what Dan Campbell has talked about and getting these guys ready, they'll obviously be a, a disappointment there for not being able to get in. But to be able to go into a, a division opponent's home and 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 maybe ruin their their season the way Aaron Rodgers has done to this team for a number of years, I I think there'll still be motivation there. Thank you so much, Mike. For joining me great stuff as always it should be a fun one in Lambeau Field Sunday night yeah no question about looking forward to it thanks for having me Tim good to see you welcome back to the 20 in the huddle podcast presented by Microsoft and I am very happy to be joined by Jamal Williams starting running back six yards shy of 1,000 yards 15 touchdowns on the season but Jamal, let's let's start with something obviously a little more serious and and what happened Monday night, um, you know, with Demar Hamlin and and were you watching at all and and, and just kind of what take me through kind of what you're going through on 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 Monday and and the feelings you guys still have because you guys are a brotherhood around this league, it's a fraternity, right? And, mm-hmm. and just the feelings that you guys have about that situation. Oh, uh, I didn't I didn't personally watch the game, but the news of it spread around so fast that. It made me look into it, and I'm just grateful for him to just still be alive now, breathing, and just praying for him. Um, as you said, it is a brotherhood. We all play together. We all go out there. Of course, we want to do our best and, and everything, but we never want to see one of our fellow uh, brothers get hurt or injured or uh, especially something uh, the more I went through and, and still going through right now. So my heart and my condolences and everything goes to his family and to him too and really all we can do right now is just keep sending that love and positive vibes and blessings towards him and his family and just let him know that we care and we just want him to be healthy and be safe and still be here with us. And it's great that the news out of Cincinnati on Thursday and, and, and Buffalo is that, you know, he's doing really, really well and improving. So obviously great there. It sounds oh, yeah. like those prayers have been heard. Yeah. Tough subject, but let, let's kind of transfer in into football because this is this is a huge week for for you guys. And look, mm-hmm. everybody knows the hard knock speech that you had, and and you know you being pissed off about that record, and and then starting one and six. Just how proud of you are you of this football team to 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 be where you're at with with potentially a playoff spot on the line week 18 after the start you guys had to stay the course mm-hmm. um, week after week just keep grinding and to be in this spot. How proud of you as a team leader about kind of where this team is and what they've gone through this year? Oh, I'm just I'm proud of them just of the tenacity and just the the will and effort of not giving up of not of knowing that you know things started bad for us but at the same time we could get out of this hole still and still make a, a playoff run like what we're doing now so it just all starts with the mentality of just everybody of understanding we need to be a team we need to stay together and yet we just all need to do our individual part on the team and do our role and this is how we got here just doing our role and that makes a whole team right there in your role being a tough physical runner, but also a guy that could bust out big runs. We've seen some of those 50-plus yard runs, 994 yards. What would 1,000 yards mean to you? Oh, man, my first 1,000, it would mean so much to me just because of everything I've been through being in the league, I feel. Just six years in, and this is going to be the first time I get 1,000. It's going to be a tremendous accomplishment for mm-hmm. me. And 
I'm just grateful because the first thing I think about is just all the hard work I do in the off season, just training and getting ready for every season, and and then coming in and it's just it's just happening. So yeah. I just try to you know when it's time to think about it all, I'm gonna think about it. But right now I just I try to just stay focused on the present, focus on my teammates and my my coaches and. Just everybody on this team to make sure that we go as far as we want to go. Mm-hmm. And it starts with everybody just doing the individual part. So for me, I just like to just come to work, put my head down and work and and make sure that I make sure I do my job. So, But I'm just grateful for everything. I, I thank the line. I thank the receivers, tight ends, all the time about, you know, getting me to where I'm at right yeah. now. And, and about to eclipse over 1,000 is something I've been waiting for for a while. So Talk about that offensive line a little bit more, though, because I know Matt LaFleur, the coach of, of Green Bay, was talking this week, and he was asked about the offense, and he said, look, there's Philadelphia and there's Detroit when it comes to the best offensive lines in, in, in the game. And being able to, to run behind that line all season long, mm-hmm. just how much credit do you, give, do you give to those big guys up front for helping you kind of get to the point where you're at where you can get 1,000 yards and 16 touchdowns or more potentially? Oh, I give a lot of credit to them. I mean, they do a great job, and they're, there, they're in there every play. Like, they don't get a sub. They don't get to come out. You know what I mean? They got to maul it out, ball out the whole game. So, And for them to keep that tenacity through the whole game for – Week 18 now. Yeah. Week 18 is a, is mostly more mental focus and you know making sure that you wanna you wanna be there for us and every lineman that that's on this team right now is just great. They work so hard. They work to be here. They're grateful to be here. And at the same time, like they working to know that if they give us just a little hole right here and there or just block their person for this amount of seconds, that we are gonna make something big happen. And that's what just what we've been doing. The running back group just. Honestly, it's just grateful for the linemen, tight ends, and the receivers. Just everything they do is 100% effort, selfless. Like, they could be selfish players and not put their bodies on the line to help us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they could just worry about passing There's no wide receivers divas on this team. Yeah, there's none of that. (laughs) Like, nobody is saying, like, oh, I don't want to block because, you know, where my catch is going to come from. This is really a selfless offense and a selfless team in general. So, we just enjoying the time. We just letting all the weapons go. And, you know, our line is doing a great job protecting JG, letting them get the balls off, um, getting off the ball, the double teams getting to linebackers, and especially to the second level. And then after that, they let us get loose. So 4,000 passing yards, 2,000 rushing yards for this offense. Never been done in franchise oh. history. I mean, that's how explosive. <laughs> that's is. how great you guys have been offensively as a collective unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you've are you been a big part of that. I was just curious, when you were watching the film of your big run last week, did you see Jared running down the sideline? At the end, At the, yeah. Did you see it? Shoot. You, you I, know, we talked to him. He said, I just wanted to sell because I thought that was 16, uh-huh. and I wanted to celebrate with him in the end zone. That's what Jared said about <sighs> that. I, I mean, was for it. <laughs> when you when you see that and you're in the film room and you see your quarterback doing that, running mm-hmm. down the side just because he wants to celebrate with you in the end zone. Um, you know, Jared's taken obviously a lot of criticism throughout his career, but mm-hmm. I think he's played his best football of his career. Mm-hmm. Big reason why you guys are at this spot. And, and to have a quarterback like that running down the sideline, not in the game, just because he wants to celebrate with you at a big moment. What does that mean to you? It just shows how selfless this team is and how many, how many good guys we have on this team that care for one another and really just want everybody to succeed. And it's just fun to be on a team like this that doesn't care about who is making the plays, but as long as we make it plays and we celebrate together, we're great. I didn't even see JG until I got up. I'm like, I looked over, <laughs> I looked over, I'm like, 
Jet? <laughs> Why are you on the field? I thought you were out. Because he wanted to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. He thought it was 16. Yeah, exactly. he wanted to celebrate. I mean, at the time, I couldn't do that. I was, I was just laughing and smiling yeah. at everybody. But it, but it seems great. like this team is really, like you talked about, it's a close-knit group. And oh, yeah. I think you have to be to get to this point in the mm. season. Yeah. Um, and, and, and look, you bring it every week, and and you're one of those guys that uh, is focused on the job at hand. Is there any extra motivation for you at all with this being in Green Bay? Obviously, you started your career there. Um, you know, they drafted a running back, moved on, and, and you found a, a great situation here in Detroit. But is there is is it any extra motivation for you, or is the motivation just winning Week 18 and putting yourself in a spot where you could potentially make the playoffs? Or is there a little extra juice for this one for you? Um, I think more my professional side once tells me to this is just week eighteen, another game of us winning to make it to the playoffs and just keep our season alive and to hopefully go to the Super Bowl. And then it's like it's there. My child side is like, yay, we, <laughs> we, we yeah. But there's this bonus that we can do all that and yeah. But I'm just I'm just honestly I try to stay in the present. And not overhype myself, cause I—that's what I've learned growing up. Now, hmm. is like I over, I over get excited about things, and then when it's time for the <laughs> the actual event to happen, I'm low key kind of exhausted already. Yeah. And so now I've been doing all this year. I've literally been like building up to game day. I literally be chill, and I and I try to keep myself. Calm. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you've been doing, keep doing it because it's Calm. it's been it's been it's been great. You're having a terrific season. How much you're looking forward to that big stage, meaningful game in mm-hmm. December Lambeau Field. I mean, it should be an exciting uh, atmosphere, right? Oh yeah. Honestly, it's honestly it's just look what God has done. You know, perfect situation of getting. Honestly, Swift said this after the game that you know you got six yards to get to a thousand two to to, well, one to tie, two to break it, and you get to do it in Green Bay. He like, look what God has done. I'm like, you absolutely right, honestly. So I'm just grateful for these opportunities. I'm blessed to have players on this team that, like, care for each other. We can help each other. We embrace each other and just try to lift each other up and make each other better every day. And, and it doesn't even have to be in football, but just as a person, your personality, how you talk to other people, how you treat other people, all that can be changed, and it starts with your mental. But it also helps when you have other people who are doing the same thing as, yeah. as to want to be better people and be better friends and just you know communicate better. Because trust me, I don't, I don't even like talking. I promise you, I don't. <laughs> well, that's why I love doing. <laughs> that's why I'm glad you're doing this because it lets people know a little bit more about you. And and look, you've had a great season. Uh, this has been a great interview. Go get six yards. Go yeah. get a touchdown and go get a win. How about that? <laughs> For sixteen, I love it. Jamal Williams, appreciate it.
Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And it is now time for the BetMGM's key matchups. I welcome in Justin Rogers, who does a great job covering everything lines for the Detroit News. And Justin, this is how this works. It's it's five key matchups. We'll kind of just go through each one. We'll talk a, a little bit, get our analysis, and, yeah. and, and we'll go from there. And let's start with a big one to me. And, and it's Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff, obviously the two quarterbacks. And, and I think this one comes down to, you know, who plays better amongst those quarterbacks. You look at the first matchup week nine and and Aaron Rodgers with the three interceptions that was the difference in that football game so yeah I think whichever one of these guys makes the less mistakes can find ways to make big plays I think that that's maybe who wins what do you like about this matchup hey, look every NFL season has its weird strange things happening right now Jared Goss playing like Aaron Rodgers historically has taking care of the football and Aaron Rodgers is, is kind of uh, more of the mistake prone quarterback he's got the most interceptions I think in since his first full season as a starter, Goff has 290 straight passes without interception. You know who holds the NFL record for consecutive passes without interception? Is it Tom? It's Aaron Rodgers. Is it really Aaron? Four, 402 <laughs> passes. And so, um, you know, I think that was really epitomized in the first Lions game, right? Right. Uh, through three picks, they were all, you know, in the, the end zone area. Um, couple bad decisions and just so uncharacteristic to everything we've ever seen from, right. from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, certainly the Lions are not sleeping on this guy. But if you can continue to make him make mistakes or at least not kill you, their four-game winning streak, his numbers aren't great. You know, I was expecting to look and see that he had turned his season around. His pass rating during these four wins is 87. I mean, that would still be bottom half of the NFL. So this is not so much an Aaron Rodgers-led team as a complete Packers team. I think if you keep Aaron Rodgers in check, you could stick in this one and win the game. Complimentary football. No right? doubt. That's what Dan Campbell talks about all the time. And, and what Detroit has done well during the 7-2 and two stretch. And mm-hmm. that's really what's been the catalyst behind the Packers' four-game win streak is, look, 12 turnovers um, or 12 takeaways the defense has gotten. Obviously, special teams has gotten a big boost from, from Nixon. Um, and, and so they're playing complimentary football. And when you look at Jared, yeah, he's top six in the NFL. I don't know if fans realize this, but you look at yards, rating, touchdowns. I mean, he's yeah. in the top top five, type, top six rating. He's playing the best stretch of football in his career, and, and that's why this is such a huge matchup. And I liked your point about he's playing like Aaron Rodgers used to play. Taking care of the football is huge. It's, he hadn't thrown an interception since the Screen Bay game week nine. Right. The, the flaws of Jared Goff's resume are are clear. I mean, he was established over his career, you know, sometimes a poor decision maker and, uh, you know, maybe not the best deep ball thrower. Both those things he is – I don't know if temporarily rectified is the right term, but during this stretch, the deep ball has been there. They've been very explosive with the passing game, and the interceptions are gone. And you do that as a quarterback uh, with everything else just being you know, what it is normally for him. You're going to play very, very well. All right, let's flip to another one. David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, you know, really one of the better left tackles in the game against James Houston. And, and look, Justin, I don't think either of us could have predicted that that James would have the start. We could not have predicted this in week nine, the last time these two teams played. I mean, a guy who was on the practice squad for the first 10 games of the season, um, you know, gets his chance because of some injuries. uh, uh, Charles Harris, um, Julian Aquara, they Mm -hmm. get hurt. So he gets his opportunity, right? And talk about a young man taking advantage of his opportunity. I mean, no NFL players recorded eight sacks in their first six games. James Houston has. And, and I mean, just the, the bend he's got, the burst, um, he really looks like uh, he might be something. And when you look at Bakhtiari, I mean, he's been a staple on the left side for them for a long time. No sacks, no quarterback hits allowed in, in 10 games. I know he's battled injury too, but this to me looks like a great matchup. And I know we're going to see Aiden on that side too, but 
but what do you like about uh, about this matchup? Where, where where's it going to be tough for James and maybe to get some hay? Yeah, you know, it, it, this is perfect time for this question. I spent yesterday and and the day before going through all. 100 or so of, of Houston snaps to really kind of understand what was working well for him. Uh, he does rush off that side almost exclusively right now. It's, you know, it's about 80, 90 percent. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is going to be the matchup. Um, what makes him so good is he, he does have a versatile set of, of pass rush moves, but the bend is just it's preposterous. I mean, like it's he, he's like a Gumby out there, right? Like he can get so low and he's he's not a, a huge guy. He's you know two forty six two six three. Like he can he can get low and get under these tackles. And he's got this little bit of a stutter step, and then he just dips. And, and these guys can't handle it. The one time that I saw him struggle a little bit for a stretch um, was the second and third quarter of the Jets game. At that point, he's playing you know twenty snaps a game. It's a fifteen snap stretch. Those two quarters, he's going against Dwayne Brown. And that's, good. that's a good offensive tackle. He's got 200-plus starts in this league. And look, at he's a little long in the tooth now at, at 37 years old. But, you know, he's seen it all. You know, mm-hmm. and, and there's a reason the Jets brought him in. He's he's that veteran. So I look at Bakhtiari, that's that's an elite offensive tackle. Um, this is going to be a very big test for James Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets kept off the stat sheet. But he is that kind of guy that just keeps chip, chip, chip away, chopping wood, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he gets stymied or, or put on the ground for 20 straight snaps. And then, you know, one. it just takes one or two. And it seems like when he gets one, like, he builds on it really quickly. And in that Brown matchup, fourth quarter, end of the game, Jets are driving. It's, you know, they're, they're trying to tie or win that game. He gets through twice. He beats yeah. a double team, and then he, he uh, gets around Brown one-on-one, dips that same dip on the outside shoulder. Two QB hits in those crucial moments. So, you know, he, he figured something out. This is going to be a really good learning experience, if nothing else, for James Houston. 100%. All right, let's flip to this one. Christian Watson, who's who, you know, had a slow start for them, the talented wide receiver, second-round draft pick, versus Jerry Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And th- th- my point on this one is I don't think it's a coincidence, Justin, that this – Detroit Lions defense started playing a lot better, started playing more consistent football with the return of Jerry Jacobs. It's not am, just, am, I, am, I, yeah. am I overstating that? It's it's not just his performance, it's the energy he brings, that the swagger, the confidence he brings. I think it it kind of does permeate through all those guys. Jerry's nickname here is Crazy Jerry. And and he's <laughs> he's legitimately a wild man. Like yeah. he just he talks a ton. He his confidence is through the roof like just there's so much swagger to his game and and it it helps him perform at a high level and i think it helps other guys perform at a high level and, and the matchup with watson's fascinating he really it is. is it is I, I look at a guy watson's banged up i think yeah. that that works in the lion's favor he he had such a great stretch there he's got a hip injury almost didn't play last week didn't do a whole lot in that game but look at jerry's numbers and i i understand he gives up a play here and there he commits some penalties here and there because he's physical as heck mm-hmm. but I don't think he's allowed more than 80 yards in a game. He is a, quarterbacks when targeting him are at like 55% completion percentage. 55.8. Pretty good. I didn't even look at the notes. <laughs> good I job. was going off the memory. But <laughs> 71 um, rating and zero touchdowns allowed. Exactly. That's, and so, like, that's what you want. You want a confident, physical guy yeah. if you're going to have a matchup against a big athletic guy. And Watson wants to be good for a long time. Like, yeah. you saw it coming out just the. Calvin Johnson esque combine numbers came from a college system where there was a lot of run blocking. As he develops into his skill set and grows into it with some patience, it's going to be a good one for a long time. But Jack, Jacobs is definitely the guy you want on him in this game. I asked Jeff Okuda about Jerry Jacobs. He said, that guy's a dog. 
That's how he described him. He said he's just the tough picture as in the nails. dictionary, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And when you look at at Watson and what he means to that offense, obviously, when you lose a guy like Devontae Adams, it, it's just going to be different. When you no build that kind of chemistry um, with a wide receiver, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, and, and then you bring all these rookies and young guys in, it's just a little bit different. And I think that took some time. And I think that was really huge for Christian Watson to have that stretch where he had seven touchdowns in, in four games. He brings that big play element to that offense. And, and those four games, I think he built a lot of trust with Aaron Rodgers, and we're yeah. seeing that now when he's on the field. Look, when they want to have a big play in the passing game, usually it's, it, it's Rodgers to Watson. So that's why I think this is such a key matchup this week because you said Jerry will give up a play or two, but he's going to fight you, and he's going to be physical. And he hasn't given up a ton of plays, at least touchdowns, yeah. um, this year. So I think that's just going to be a big matchup. Look, at the deep pass is still really important to what Aaron Rodgers likes to do. I saw last week that he averaged the most air yards per attempt in the entire league. And of the guys they have, Cobb's not that guy anymore. Dobbs, their other rookie, hasn't really developed in the guy. It's Watson, Watson. is the guy. <laughs> and is. so as, as long as they can keep him in check, I think they can keep the passing game in check overall. All right, speaking of the passing game and the guys out wide, let's maybe flip the script a little bit yep. and go their talented corner, Jer Alexander, versus DJ Chark. And, and when you look at Chark over the last month or so, um, I think he's been a real catalyst to this Lions passing no game doubt. being what it is. He's given them that deep play element, um, consistently making plays down the field. And we saw early in the season, him and Jared missed some of those plays. And then DJ had that stretch where he was dealing with the ankle injury, came back, and now they've kind of find their, found their rhythm. And I think that that's changed entirely this Detroit Lions passing game because they have that deep element. But this week, you've got a guy in Alexander, and we saw it last week when, when he challenged Justin Jefferson. He ended up with one catch for 15 yards. I mean, this is one of the premier cornerbacks in the league, a guy very capable of taking away your best weapon. I, I love when a guy talks a talk and yeah. then goes and walks a walk. Like that, <laughs> that just tells you all you need to know about the player. And I asked Campbell about that, and he, he acknowledged the same thing. Like he, he can re- respect and appreciate a competitor at that level. Um, not going to check my notes again, so good fact check, but uh, six games, I believe, Chark, 20 catches, 390 yards, two touchdowns. Like, he has clicked with Goff after getting over the ankle injury, mm-hmm. getting back into the full swing of things. Um, when you have that deep L into the passing game, it's not just that player. It opens up so much for everybody else. It draws safety attention. It creates underneath opportunities. And the passing game during that stretch has averaged almost 300 yards a game. So I, I think... Chark is a really important part of what the Lions do. The nice thing about this is if you look at how Alexander's using Green Bay, he can travel. He doesn't travel often, mostly stays to the right side. Um, I I don't know if against the Lions you want to have him moving. They've got too many versatile weapons. I think maybe you just stick with where he's comfortable. Chark splits his time evenly. Yeah. So um, I, I'm really curious to see, will they move Alexander into the slot on third downs to cover Amon Ra? Right. Take that away. Um, I would avoid throwing at him very much he did have a pick in the last matchup Mm -hmm. uh that was one where he was maybe sitting a little bit more in his own campbell said you got to be aware of where he is at all times he's a special player uh you can't completely avoid him but let's you know not make it a priority attacking that guy i think there's there's other opportunities to take advantage of of matchups against this green bay defense to your point 64.6 passer rating when opponents opposing passers (sighs) attempt to uh, really uh, pass against him, which is pretty darn good. It's really good. You have a 64.5 pass rating. You ain't playing quarterback in the NFL for very long. So yeah. that, that just shows you how good uh, of, of a cornerback he is. All right, let's finish with this one. And I think this has been kind of a big developing in, in Green Bay is, is Kisan Nixon, uh, their talented kick returner, who's now also their punt returner, versus Lions coverage units. Yeah. Um, and, and Lions special teams have been 
pretty good under Dave Fitt the last last two years. No I mean, this year, uh, the 10.6 average on punt returns, 26, a little lower than where they've been notoriously, but kickoffs, 22.2 average against. That's 14th. And um, But this kid is is on a roll right now. Yeah. I, I mean, you look at the 105-yard the touchdown last week. He had a 93-yard uh, return the week before, got tackled at the 7-yard line, which I'm sure his teammates gave, gave him uh, some, some grief about. But, look, he leads the NFL 30.0 uh, yards per carry leads them in 50 plus yard kickoff returns i mean he's he's a weapon for them yeah and it's weird to be talking about that with green bay special teams because that's that's been their achilles heel for right. so, so many years and now you're talking about them you know it being a weapon for them yeah i i didn't know a whole lot about nixon uh heading into this week so you know i spent time looking at where's where'd this kid come from yeah it's been in the league for three years and he was with the raiders the last two years and did not return kicks for them no and so, wanted to you know may have returned a couple punts <laughs> yeah. so uh, credit to Green Bay's personnel department, coaching staff for seeing something, finding something, identifying something, and and getting this kid involved. And uh, you know, I haven't looked at the situational usage, but his punt return numbers are also ridiculous. I mm-hmm. think he's averaging like 15 yards on seven punt returns. So uh, uh, something new that he's just started. So he's for them. so now he's in both. Yeah. So we talk about throwing away from Alexander. I don't kick to this guy. No. Like I don't look at the lines are in the middle of the pack with with touchback percentage. I think that's by design. We've yeah. seen that they think that they can gain an advantage by with, with Fox and, and the leg that he has by putting it in a certain spot with, with elevation, with hang time, and, and just trying to stop a return at the 18, 19, and seven yards of field position. It's valuable. Touchbacks. Just boom, boom it, right? And then with punts, like, look, Fox has a monster leg. We know he has a monster leg. We've seen him outkick his coverage and, and trust that you have some excellent Excellent coverage players. Really good. Josh Woods, Chris Sport, Malcolm Rodriguez is talked about all the time in defense, entirely underrated as what he's brought to the special teams. I'm sure Dave Fipp has not been happy with how good he's been <laughs> on defense because he's lost some of special teams. Right. But I, I'm going to sacrifice five yards in distance for an extra half second to three quarters of a second hang time. Let him fair catch it, kick it out of bounds. Like, just don't give this kid opportunities. There's, there's guys like that in this league. We saw one in Devin Hester for years and years and Good years. Example. Like, I, I don't even know how many touch. I, you know, I, I think Devin Hester's a Hall of Famer in yeah. some way, shape, or form. You find a NFL way to get record. him in. Return just, touchdowns, yeah. There's some guys, you just keep it away from them, and that's just the reality of it. And I think that with the level Nixon's playing right now, currently, as you mentioned with the two yeah. just don't even mess with it. Because we talked about the turnovers, too, and how big those plays are. When you can get a special teams play, when it's a punt return, a punt block. Um, when you get a touchdown off special teams, that is such a momentum yeah. play. I put it right there with a turnover. I mean, it, 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 no it's, it's one of the hugest plays in the game. So I agree with you 100%. Keep the ball away from that and, and, and don't let don't let uh, Nixon, you know, get a return touchdown and, and affect this game. It's not even big plays on special teams. Like, people just ignore how important they are to the the course of a team success. You know, great examples are the 14-2 the and two Chargers team. They had the number one offense – or 12 and 4, I'm sorry. Number one offense, number one defense. Missed the playoffs because they were the worst special teams you know, mm-hmm. in the entire NFL. And then I always point to the Jim Harbaugh San Francisco team. You know, that, that team had unbelievable special teams, punts, coverage, field goals. It, it, I think it was a really underrated point to what took them to the Super Bowl that year that they, they lost the, the game, I think, to the Ravens. Like, 
it can just turn a game. So don't Green give me the, Bay last don't give year in San Francisco in the playoffs. That no they qu- lost that game, right? Yeah. Didn't they have a punt blocked and a field goal blocked? Pretty sure in got that their game? coordinator fired. Yeah. yeah, and so their big plays keep it away from him. Indeed. Well, those were the Bet MGM key matchups. He is Justin Rogers. Terrific analysis right there. Um, it's going to be a fun one in, uh, in in Green Bay on Sunday night, isn't it, Justin? Yeah. Fire up the lights. Let's go. Great stuff there from Justin Rogers in the Bet MGM key matchup segment. Um, look, it's Sunday night football, so it's going to be a late night, but we will have a podcast Monday either way. Uh, PJ Clark will, will, will join me as we do post game every time. It, it was a great show. I, I think this is one of the better ones we did with Mike Tirico, Jamal Williams, Justin, obviously, and, and, and Mike Spofford from, from Green Bay. It's a big matchup Sunday night, so hopefully we're here next week and we're talking about the playoffs and Lions getting ready for a huge matchup in the NFC playoff picture.